Hello and welcome to Views from the Market, Mid-Market Private Equity and M&A in Canada. My name is Mario Negro. I'm a partner in the Private Equity and M&A group at Steichman Elliott. For today's podcast, I'd like to welcome our special guest, Anne Ristick. Anne is the Chief Executive Officer of Agency Employment Services, or AES. Anne, thank you for joining us and welcome. Thank you, Mario. It's great to be here. And uh, we always start our podcast uh, with uh, learning a little bit about our guests' past and history. You have a fascinating past and history, so I am particularly interested in uh, you telling our guests a little bit about your own past and history. And then obviously we, we'll talk a little bit about AES and your, your journey to um, being the CEO and part owner of AES. So. Well, thank you for saying it's fascinating, Mario. I appreciate that. I, um, I'm not sure your listeners will think that. So I started out, as you know, as a lawyer at Steichman Elliott. I, I spent my whole career there, actually, until last year. So I started straight out of law school in the 80s when Steichman Elliott was really a relative newcomer, I would say, in the Toronto market. And I practiced as a corporate M&A lawyer for about five years at the firm. And then I moved into management. And that first move was kind of in the recruiting and people development side when, you know, in Toronto, we had really ambitious growth goals. So our goal then was to move from that kind of relative newcomer status into the top tier. And we did see, you know, great growth. Um, I think there were 45 lawyers in the firm when I first started, and you guys are something like 250 now. So it was a big um, uh, leap. So that kind of recruiting and people development role led in the early 2000s to a co-managing partner uh, role at Steigman Elliott, which I, in the Toronto office, which I did for about uh, 20 years with five different um, managing partners in Toronto. So that was, you know, that was me until I guess the end of last year. I started thinking about my next chapter a few years ago. And, you know, Mario, I, I love Steichman Elliott and it was a great job, but I did feel like it would be a good time for a change for me and the firm. I'd been in that role for a long time. I was doing a lot of, you know, it was a great job and really challenging, but I felt like I was doing a lot of the same things. And I love what I do, but I wanted to keep growing. And I would say that the firm also, uh, you know, has a great next generation in place. Fantastic people, both on the legal side and the management side. And I felt like they were ready to step up and I wanted, you know, to not to be in the way and for them to have that runway. So that was kind of my, you know, where I was uh, when I was kind of thinking about making a move, but I really did. I really didn't know exactly what I wanted to do for my next stage. I knew I wanted to do something that had that growth element to it, but I was looking at a bunch of different things, as you know. But I did keep finding myself getting drawn back to that path that you, Mario, had encouraged me onto at the outset. So that the search fund space where I could work with investors and buy and grow a business. So, you know, the first time you and I talked about that, I was a little bit skeptical. But the more I looked at it and looked at actual businesses, I, you know, the more excited I felt about the idea. I felt like I could kind of take what I'd done in terms of that growth journey at Steichman Elliott and do it again in a completely different environment. So, you know, that was the impetus for me to really drill down and focus on, on buying a business. And you started and the search, like every searcher, you, you, this, the idea of entrepreneurship through acquisition, you went out there and uh, I remember you, you know, knocking on doors, talking to sell side advisors, talking to companies directly. 
how did it come that you ended up being, you know, part owner and CEO of Agency Employment Service? Uh, well, so a couple of things. I feel like one of the things about being a little bit later in your career when you are looking at doing something like this is that you probably have a a bit bigger professional network than you have maybe in your early days. So I felt like that was a real advantage for me in terms of knocking when you say knocking on doors they weren't it wasn't as much cold calling maybe as I as I think listening to others maybe you know comes up I I had lots of people and you would be at the top of the list connecting me with businesses or people in their network that were looking at selling and I found that really really uh, helpful you know I think AES particularly you connected me with Jeremy Yu who uh, has a search fund succession capital he was looking at making his second acquisition he was well down the road at uh, with buying his first business which he has now bought but when AES came to to his notice and um, he was in the process of of negotiating an LOI but wanted to team up with someone to you know do the whole acquisition process and operate the business so he and I you know really hit it off in on a professional level as well as a personal level and that was great so we worked together to you know do the due diligence the commercial due diligence on the business to complete the acquisition so that was a fairly long <laughs> seemed long to me uh process um six or seven months probably from from start to finish so we you know it was kind of towards the end of last year that uh, Jeremy and I teamed up and we completed the acquisition at the end of June so it was kind of a good six or seven months that we were working hard on it and and I you know for our guests I mean you obviously work with Jeremy to find the capital for the deal to deal with the financing obviously with financial diligence legal diligence full suite on this deal. And I guess the exciting part, at closing, you took on the role of the CEO for this business. Yep. And um, you've been now the CEO for, I'm going to guess, two, three months. Uh, You've you've gotten your, I would say, probably more than your fee wet. (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually into month five, if you can believe it. Month five, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, this is obviously, um, in some ways for you a new career, but in, in, you know, also using some of the skills you already had developed over your career. So curious to learn more about your experience as the CEO of a, of a smaller company. You know, you're used to obviously having worked in a larger company. I want to get your thoughts on how the experience has been, what you've noticed. I mean, what you, what you see at the front end of being the CEO of a smaller company that's focused on growth. Yeah, so you're right. Like it has been in some ways, it's totally different. Uh, but in many ways, there are lots of parallels to the role that I had before. So on the just just to give you a little background about AES. So we're a, a staffing payroll and HR services firm. So our, our clients outsource various HR back office functions and employer legal compliance to us. So in many cases, we're, we're actually the employer of record for our clients. So that means that we employ their workforce or a portion of their workforce in Canada. We kind of do the compliance part of being the employer, if I can put it that way. So, you know, payroll and government remittances, you know, compliance with employment standards, legislation, occupational health and safety, you know, required policies, 
uh, some clients that want to provide group benefits to their uh, to their employees, we do that. So what I feel like is the the legal compliance side of HR, and then the clients would do the day to day on the job supervision, the more kind of substantive business part of being the employer. So that's kind of one piece of the HR back office that we provide for a group of clients. In other cases, we're not the employer of record, but we would provide a specific HR service. So uh, a big one is recruiting, particularly temporary staff, managing a contract workforce, like quite a few of our clients, particularly in the in the IT industry, have large portion of their workforce that are kind of gig economy independent contractors and sort of managing those contracts and payments and and so on you know workers compensation claims management complaint resolution for employee issues supporting clients with terminations or transitions of employees again all the things that you know you'd call your hr business partner or your hr department to help you if you have one for clients that either are not a large enough business that they have that in Canada, or they want additional assistance, particularly with temporary uh, staff to do that, we kind of fill in that bucket. So that is, again, in many ways, really different from what I was doing in the law firm. But it's a service business, you know, it's people, it's managing a workforce, it's, we, it's billing time, it's um, a lot of, there really are a lot of parallels to managing any service business, and, and I would say, particularly the, the law firm. And there actually is a lot of law, like compliance and knowing the dealing with commercial contracts and employment contracts and knowing the um, the employer employment standards legislation, that kind of thing is really comes into play. So it was enough, you know, of a difference that it was a real challenge, but also similar to, to past experience that I felt like I could, could really use a lot of my uh, knowledge and experience. I know, and that you know, we've talked about one of the key elements of running a small business is cash flow. And you always got to keep your mind on cash flow. You live and breathe daily the, the cash flow, which of course is different from, a, I mean, still a key part of the larger business, but in a smaller business, you just have a lot, a lot less wiggle room. I wanted to get a sense from you and, you know, obviously those kind of challenges like cash flow, those things that, you know, sometimes with the larger business, you have a little bit more buffer with the smaller business, the kind of issues you're confronting uh, are you know, uniquely to the small business, if you want to put it that way. So for sure. And when you're talking about challenges, that was uh, for sure one of the big changes that for me in that when you're yeah, exactly as you say, when you're dealing with the P&L for a large organization, you just have a lot more buffer. Having said that, I think being focused on revenues and expenses and particularly cash flow and what's coming in when is a big part of managing a law firm. And I would say, as you know, during particularly during, you know, I've been in my career long enough, we had lots of down, we had COVID where, again, everyone was very focused on cash. We had the the credit crisis in the in 2008. In, in each case, I'm touching wood here, uh, you know, all went very well for the law firm, but we were very focused in the early days on cash. And so I felt like that way of looking at your your cash flow and that way of being very down in the weeds when you need to be down in the weeds to figure out exactly what's what's coming in when uh, was something that was I was not completely unfamiliar with. But you're absolutely right. 
the challenge with a smaller business is that, you know, all those things are on your shoulders. You don't have as big a team that's helping you with reports or looking at the details with you. And you do feel like you have to be uh, on top of everything yourself. So for sure, that has been a bit of a change for me. And obviously, uh, you know, talking about this business of where you want it to go, what are you looking at? Obviously, your focus, as you mentioned, is on growth. You went into this wanting to take a business and take it to the next level. What is your strategies at this early stage for AES based on where you're at right now? What are you, what are you thinking about for AES for the future? So, you know, I took my first three months to really observe and learn, meet with clients, meet with the team, really learn the ropes in the business. And I I was pretty clear at the outset that I wasn't going to make any big decisions or big changes right off the bat. Going into it, Jeremy and I for sure had a had a thesis in terms of where we thought that we could grow. And so a lot of what I was doing in that first three months and still obviously is kind of you know, testing the hypothesis and figuring out what is realistic and what makes sense. So it was a big learning curve in those three months. I would say that there were not a lot of surprises. Again, I'm touching wood on that. I I feel like for us doing our six months of commercial due diligence meant that we really had spent a lot of time in the due diligence process, not only looking at the numbers, but also getting to know some of the team that we have four managers and and they're great. So we, we were able to spend time with them at the outset. So all of that meant that I think that kind of going in, we had a pretty good hypothesis on what our growth levers would be. And then I feel like those, as I've kind of been developing a bit of a strategic plan for going forward, I would say that our top three strategies are probably what we thought going in. So kind of number one is adding more clients on that employer of record or professional employer organization side of our business. So currently a much smaller part of our client base is devoted to outsourcing the employer of record legal compliance side that I talked about earlier. Then we have on our temporary staffing base. So we it's a different practice area. If I could use our, our legal terminology, it's a different target market. I think we need a bit of a different sales and marketing strategy. So that is what we've been working on building up and that will be a big focus over the next year. You know, on the temporary staffing side that I talked about, there's a growth opportunity there. I would say we're currently more limited by our ability to source and match candidates with clients than we are by demand from clients. So figuring out how we can do that better and getting the right processes in place to be able to grow that is another focus. And then my third area would be sounds very boring, but documenting and tech enabling, if I can put it that way, are key processes so that we can scale. Like I think our team is really great and they are very knowledgeable and do a great job. But as we look at growing, we probably need to have more repeatable processes and more automation where possible. And then when you look, I mean, you obviously got a strategy, you got a vision where you want to go. You look at the market the way it is today bit of turbulence, uncertainty, question about where where we're going to be in six to 12 months, the R word, which I always hate to say. (laughs) How are you reacting to that, given your objectives, your goals? How are you 
use the word pivot, but how do you or respond is probably the better word. How are you yeah. responding to that? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think that, again, I've talked about my long <laughs> career. I think that one thing that I have learned is you really can't, no matter how much you plan and look ahead and try to be prepared for what's coming, you can never predict what's coming and you always need to be nimble and to be able to pivot and to be able to change your plans. So partly that doesn't intimidate me. And I think, you know, when I talked about my growth hypotheses, I've always felt like you treat your strategy as a hypothesis and you you need to be able to pivot. So I'm not so, again, I make famous last words, I'm not so anxious about that part. I would also say that this was one of the things that attracted me to AES in the first place is that it's a people business. They're in the human being business and, you know, every business needs people and, uh, you know, whether you're growing or you're trying to retain and consolidate or restructuring, there's a huge people element and the flexibility that is offered by outsourcing some of the people elements is, is huge. So, I'm again, so are you saying are you saying Anne, that this might be a good market for you? <laughs> well, even though it might not be a great economic <laughs> market for others, you might be one of those businesses that ca- counter cyclical, whatever the right word is. I'm not sure it's going to be counter cyclical, but I would say we have enough different areas that we can. It's a hedge. Can I put it that way? Yeah, that yeah, you know, yeah. when one area is again, it's similar to the law firm. When one area is down, there's higher demand in another yeah. area. So that's and, that's my hope. You know, a couple more things. I mean, I want to just touch base. Obviously, we focus on growth and you're you're focused on growth. You, you haven't mentioned acquisitions. Is that part of the strategy? So we developed our sort of hypothesis was kind of shorter term and longer term. And I the, the three things that I talked about as being on my radar screen for next year were more our, sure. our shorter term organic growth, getting our house in order strategy you know, acquisitions for sure, tuck-in acquisitions, acquiring small practices, going into new geographies. Those are all part of our, you know, thinking in terms of longer term. I would say for sure, as with everything, you know, our, we want to be opportunistic and think about those strategies as a possibility. So I wouldn't say no, but you were talking about our kind of immediate short-term plans and probably less focused on acquisitions at this stage. I would also say that is an area where we're not using the R word, but I have been reading the papers and thinking about kind of what's out there. And I'm probably like everyone, not quite sure where everything is going to go. So there might be a slightly higher threshold from our perspective to leap into something new at this stage. And you know, I always ask our guests, and you're already on to it, which is where do you think the next six months, a year, where, you know, the crystal ball question, where do you think the market's going from your perspective? And we've gotten some of it already from you, but just want to get your general thoughts on where you think the market's going. I mean, how you're feeling about the business and where the market's going. So I always love listening to your podcast, Mario, because your guests, I always get great stuff from them. They have great insights and in their crystal ball on the M&A market and the market generally is is so good. So I would say for me, (laughs) I don't have a crystal ball. Um, 
in terms of kind of where the M&A market is going, which is the focus that a lot of your listeners and guests probably have, there I feel like I have no, I read the papers with everyone else and, and I'm looking at the news, but I'm not, I, I don't feel like I have any real insights to add there. If I have anything to say, it might be more on the organic growth site side, like the extent to which people and the demand for people can be a harbinger or a canary in the coal mine or whatever for kind of where businesses are going or the economy is going. So I'm not kind of, if I think about what I'm seeing in my little corner, I would say demand still seems very high for people in the industries that we're serving. So, you know, some of our clients, food processing, technology firms, light industrial, retail, logistics, like we still seem to be getting a very steady demand. And again, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, the labor market is really tight. So that, you know, so far still seeing that. On recruiting for permanent positions, maybe I might say there might be a little bit more of a wait and see on both sides, both clients saying, should we recruit for this position right now? Or candidates saying, should I move? I do feel like people are maybe reading the news and thinking maybe now's not the time to make a big, uh, a big move. But I would say on the temporary staffing still seems, you know, as I said earlier, we still have, have higher demand for positions than we have, you know, we're really working hard to find the people to, uh, to fill them. I, you know, there are some clients who, who seem to have scaled back a little and other clients who are increasing. So all of that to say, you know, I'm not sure where that takes us, but I still feel cautiously optimistic about where business on the ground is going. The only other thing I'd say, and this is totally anecdotal, Mario, uh, is that, you know, the remote work does seem to be like we've had quite a few inbound approaches from clients outside of Canada wanting to hire just one or two people in Canada, don't have a you know, Canadian subsidiary or branch and, and want an employer. And the person seems to be working remotely, you know, in areas that maybe wouldn't have previously been remote work. So I do feel like that is, again, I'm not telling you anything that's, that's new. That seems to be here to stay and growing in terms of, a, of an area. Well, and I wanted to say thank you for joining us. It's been great to have you as a guest. I mean, in particular to learn about about this kind of new career and you know you taking on uh, search fund space and doing an acquisition uh, especially for this type of acquisition raising capital and buying a business in this space i think it's a great story and, and thank you for sharing it with us well thanks for having me mario it's great to uh, it's great to be on your podcast i always love listening to your other guests and so i uh, really appreciate the opportunity 